Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Highly skilled tradespeople are in great demand, but there can be some significant barriers that prevent talented individuals from completing their training. Learning disabilities, essential skill gaps, or language barriers can prevent top talent from entering or remaining in the skilled trades workforce. To address these obstacles, the provincial government of New Brunswick in Canada has become a leader in innovative solutions to meet training needs. Dr. Lori Leach is Director of Virtual Learning Strategist Program at the Government of New Brunswick. Lori and her team have developed the innovative and holistic Virtual Learning Strategist Program to address learning barriers and to support students to be successful in the skilled trades. The successful outcomes of their program are being recognized across Canada, increasing the demand for their service model. Most recently, they have received an additional $10 million in funding to further their research and program delivery. I'm so happy to be speaking to Lori in this episode and better understand the innovative way that they're helping talented people succeed in the trades. Thank you very much, Lori, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. So this is a fantastic topic that we're talking about, something that a lot of people are making different type of efforts to really address the trades and the lack of individuals coming to the trades. So I'm really excited to talk about your program. But before we get into it, can you tell me a little bit more about the problem that you're addressing, what the situation is? Sure. Thanks, Kinga. It's projected that over the next five years, over 115,000 new tradespersons we needed to be certified in Canada because of replacement demands resulting from attrition, baby boomer retirement. And to fully meet that need, it's expected that over 163,000 will be required. Completion rates for national certification range from just 36 to 68 percent according to a 2021 study by the Canadian Apprenticeship Forum. And at the same time, Kinga, we also know that post-secondary completion for people with learning disabilities is very low in Canada, only about 35% completing some form of post-secondary education. So that provides a little bit of context to begin with on a national scale. So we came into the apprenticeship branch in New Brunswick in 2010 to take a look a little more closely at what was happening on the ground and explore some of these realities. And with the goal of developing a model of support for our apprentices. And what we first started seeing in New Brunswick is the same thing as we're now seeing across the entire country. So oftentimes, apprentices just do fantastic on the job. The employer loves them. They're very happy with their work. However, the apprentice has a a very difficult time progressing in their apprenticeship certification because they can't pass the level exams. And we know that that rate is about 30%. So we saw it first in New Brunswick, 30% were not successful in their theoretical training and their level exams. We wondered, is this just New Brunswick? But then when 
started working with other jurisdictions across the country, we see, no, you know, this is a national phenomenon. This is happening everywhere. About 30% of apprentices are not being successful. And they're not successful because of essential skills gaps that are not being addressed, such as reading, numeracy, problem solving, document use, or study skills. Or very oftentimes they have an undiagnosed learning disability that they've been coping with for years. Oftentimes that's also intertwined with anxiety. We're dealing with anxiety with apprentices because they're not you know, comfortable in that traditional classroom setting. They're certainly not comfortable in exam settings. And sometimes we're dealing with sensory issues with apprentices. So deaf and hard of hearing clients, more so than visual, uh, we tend to get more deaf and hard of hearing. I think they're sort of into the trade more. But, but this is where the VLS comes in. This is where our new program comes in because we provide assessments for all of these things to determine whether or not there is an essential skills gap, whether or not they just never learned proper study skills or whether or not there is an undiagnosed learning disability. And then from that, we design a customized learning plan to really address the barriers. I really like what you were saying about that there's all these different barriers, some of it being anxiety, learning disorders, skills gap. And I think it's really important to note that all of this, all of these different types of barriers, they don't indicate that the person wouldn't be a phenomenal tradesperson, but they need to be addressed. And the, the schooling that they were in before may not have identified it and may not have addressed it. So I think that's the really important thing, isn't it? That People recognize that there are so many different barriers that have, at the end of the day, if they're addressed, it doesn't mean that someone wouldn't be a phenomenal tradesperson, but those things do need to be addressed and identified. And 30%, that's a huge number. And I'm sure that's not only true for Canada, I'm sure that's probably true internationally as well in certain respects. So it's such an important thing in the school system to recognize that there are so many hindrances to learning. If they're addressed at the end, the person will be able to shine and excel absolutely incredibly. What it really highlights is that the traditional education system used in Canada does not meet the needs of learners, right? Yes. So the ones that are kinesthetic learners, the ones who learn best by doing, they're often left behind mm. in our traditional classroom settings. Mm. And also things like anxiety, isn't it? I mean, that is something that's often not addressed, how much of a hindrance that has on doing your work and being able to learn or different learning challenges. So there's so many, there's so many. So I'm really happy that you touched on it. Yeah. So many of the learners that we're dealing with were filtered from the K to 12 system into the trades route because they weren't thought of or, or seen as maybe the best candidate for the traditional university academic route. And this filtering occurs because there is a myth that exists that the trades route is actually academically easier. And, you know, that's not true either, Kinga. Yes, absolutely. It's just different. It's a different way of learning where 80% of the learning for an apprentice is done on the job within the trade, working and learning the trade. And 20% of their learning is that theoretical learning that's done in the classroom setting. Leave, you know, they're expected every year to progress in what's called levels. And every trade has a certain amount of levels. And every year they have a level training that they have to do. It's generally about eight weeks uh, for, for that time period. 
they go off to college for about eight weeks and do the traditional classroom academic learning about the theory, get it to that level for their particular trade. And this is where the issues start, right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't do well in that traditional classroom setting. They're not going to do well picking up the knowledge they need or learning it properly. And then they're not going to do well on that level exam. They don't do well on the level exam. They don't progress. And then we have the dropouts, the continued failures, et cetera. Absolutely. That's huge. That's really, really important. Well, I, I just, I think the other really cool thing to remember here is, you know, the apprenticeship route, it's so historical. It goes way back to how we used to train people, how we used to learn, learning by doing, doing kinesthetic learning. It's old yeah. and it's proven. I, I would just like to recognize that historical route associated with the apprenticeship system. And I love that you had a speaker on. I listened to one of your podcasts from an educator who was talking about the value of the apprenticeship model. It is kinesthetic learning. I just like to highlight that and thank him for bringing that um, to our attention and to amplifying that reality. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. It is such an important aspect to, to recognize and to have good learning. The VLS, which is the Virtual Learning Strategist Program, is really identifying these roadblocks, finding ways to remove them. So can you tell me a little bit more about that program? What is the VLS program? Sure. Well, it is a virtual learning support model that we provide now across the country. We're currently serving six jurisdictions. We've got three or four new ones just signing on. So, I mean, we really will have a fairly broad program that's serving apprentices across the country who are not doing well or progressing in their theoretical training. And this is all completely virtual. It's a 100% virtual service. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay. So there are several components to it. So can you tell me how it works and how it's used? So we create the partnership first with the jurisdiction that we're working with, and that's through the apprenticeship authority. Oftentimes that's associated with government in each jurisdiction. We accept a referral from the apprenticeship authority and we recognize that the first barrier we're probably going to face, or we may face, is the fact that it's technology, right? We're mm. 100% virtual. So the first thing we need to do is ensure that that client has the technology they're going to need to be successful with us. If they do not have appropriate technology, we provide the technology for free to them. And the next step, of course, is contacting them via phone or text or some more traditional method to ensure that they're able to access and open up that technology. We, we ensure that when we send the technology out, it's usually an iPad or a Chromebook, it's already fully loaded with the apps that, they're, that they'll need, the icon to our online portal, which is a, a service center for them for, from the program is already loaded onto that uh, tablet or iPad. And then we ensure that they have the digital skills necessary to be able to operate all of that. So that's step one. And if they don't, we actually have also developed a digital assessment that will help to identify where the barriers are. So we're not wasting time teaching them something they already know and focus on only just the things where the, where the gaps are. And so who are these individuals? You said the jurisdiction. Is this someone at a school, at a college? Right. So for the VLS, it's only apprentices, registered apprentices within apprenticeship authorities that we're dealing with currently. 
So it goes straight to the apprentice. It goes straight to the student. That's right. Okay. So we know that they're secure with their digital skills and they have the technology that we sent them. The next thing that we do with every one of our clients is a mandatory essential skills assessment. And we've developed that online as well. So it's an online tool where they can easily go. It's self-directed. It's got all the accommodations features in it so that you can increase the font. It can read to you. You can change the colored background so that it's easier to read for you as you're, as you're viewing it. Um, and this tool provides us with the first red flag of whether mm. there is potentially an academic or an essential skills gap. So from there, we will review the findings of the essential skills assessment uh, with the client. And if after having some more conversations with that client and talking about their skills, if we think, you know what, might be more than just academic skills or an essential skills gap, there may be a learning disability here, then our next system is to actually ask them to complete our online learning disability risk indicator. And that is a tool that we've developed in-house that belongs and is copywritten now by the government of New Brunswick that actually will identify the potential for somebody who is high risk for a learning disability. And so you see this purely from the settings, the customization settings that they have made for themselves on the system, which is color of the background, size of font, uh, these types of customizations. That's the information you use that they might have a learning disability. Well, we will look at that. I mean, you know, it's more the scores of the ESA, the scores of the okay. So it's a combination of these two things. That and really, you know, the, the counseling piece of working with a client where you have to ask questions about their academic history and ask questions about how they did in school and you know, how did they feel? You know, did they ever have problems with tests and sort of mm. so it's a lot of digging you know, right. try and get that information that oftentimes they've not shared with anybody, right? Mm, and they may not know themselves. It's just something exactly. that they have been struggling with and accommodation that they have been making for themselves, but it might actually indicate dyslexia or different, different things just by changing the color of the background or the type, the way that you answer the questions. Precisely, precisely. Mm, now, if they, if, they, if they do go ahead and do the online um, learning disability risk indicator, the, we call it Eldori, if that comes back with a red flag that there is a risk of a learning disability here because it's self-done, you know, right? they do it on their own. So we can't be 100% sure. It's not a mm -hmm. formal assessment, right? But it's mm -hmm. an indicator. If we suspect that they've answered the questions to the best of their ability, then we will then send them on to a psychoeducational assessment. So we refer mm -hmm. formal assessment and that formal assessment will decide whether or not there is a learning disability or we also test for ADHD because it's very common as well. And then if there is, then they, the psychologist will provide recommendations for what needs to be done to help that person get through their training. And then we will implement those recommendations and build a customized learning plan for that apprentice. What exactly is included in a customized? How's it different than a normal learning plan? Well, it's it's very individualistic, number one, and it's based completely off of where the gaps are identified in with for that particular client. And not only are we focusing on the academic gaps 
or what types of interventions may be required for a specific learning disability, like, for example, assistive technology that will read for you or do note-taking for you when you're in class, you know, those type of in-class accommodations. We also really operate off a holistic approach. That's a key piece that I really want to emphasize with this program. It's not just about academic training or interventions. It's also about learning who that person is as a whole. These tradespersons, these apprentices are often working all day or in school all day. The average age of an apprentice is 27 years old. So oftentimes are married and with young children, they might have to take their boys or their girls to a hockey practice right after work. And so they're not able to meet with us until the evening, you know, so Mm. customized learning plan includes building it around their life so that they have the best chance of success. Really, really important. And it sounds like an incredible opportunity for individuals to learn about themselves. And not only does it offer the accommodation and knowing what kind of accommodations and what kind of extra courses or extra learning is needed, they also learn about their own learning processes, don't they? Absolutely. And that's really the most rewarding piece, I think, for the learning strategists that work on one with each client. It's seeing that client bloom. It's hearing that client say, I always thought I was stupid. Now I know I'm not. You know, so oftentimes when we do these assessments, we will determine, sure, they might have a, you know, a lower score in reading comprehension, but they might have a really high score in numeracy or in problem solving, right? So it's about knowing that, yes, you know, you may not have fit into that traditional academic model for learning, but you know what? You are very smart. You have great gifts. You are skilled. We need to bring some skills up to meet some of the other wonderful skills you already have. Phenomenally changes a person's sense of worth and self-confidence and ability to succeed in that theoretical training. Mm, Absolutely. And this is something that should really be incorporated into all aspects of learning. And I think more and more we are realizing that it's not enough to be learning in a traditional way or in any type of way. We need to understand how we learn, how we learn as humans, but also individually, what are our different learning capabilities, different strategies that we need, different learning disorders, or there's a whole different spectrum of different aspects. And every single person needs to understand better how they learn and also the science behind how learning can be best achieved. Um, So this is certainly helping individuals in an enormous way, but how does someone even have access to this in terms of you say an apprentice goes through this assessment, they work one-on-one with a learning strategist, but how did they even get access to this? Right. So in this model started in New Brunswick, as I told you, in 2010. At that time, it started with a mandatory essential skills assessment for all new registered apprentices. So anybody new who came off the street, who became apprentice, the first thing that we did was give them an essential skills assessment. That was the first red flag for us to then work with them. That's not how it works when we're dealing across the country. Because across the country, they don't have those essential skills assessments put in place as a mandatory first step for any new apprentice. That's not there yet. Um, That's a goal. I hope that that's one of the things that will come out of us working with each jurisdiction. So instead, referrals come to us from apprenticeship authorities based on apprentices who are already in the system and have failed their level exams 
many times, right? Mm -hmm. These are people who are very close to dropping out, who are probably fantastic on the job. They just can't get through that theoretical training or that exam that's required at the end of each year. So we are referred those clients from the apprenticeship authority. And remember, we're only just a research project. So we're not serving apprentices across the country. We're serving a cohort of apprentices in each jurisdiction as we do this research. Right. The ultimate goal of, and that's our, our, our big goal, and I'll talk about that probably in a minute, but our big goal is to develop a sustainability plan with each jurisdiction so that they are going to implement this fully or completely in some capacity so that they can deal with 100% of their apprentices. And we have learning supports and the VLS customized face-to-face supports for apprentices across the country. That would be fantastic. Really amazing. And you just touched on it a little bit that you're working with eight different jurisdictions and multiple training authorities, which all have different ways of doing apprentice training. And that certainly adds a huge amount of complexity. So how do you work with all of these different players? King, I'm glad you asked, because in my mind, that one of the most fascinating pieces about the VLS program is, in fact, that we are able to go across jurisdictional boundaries, Mm. work with a variety of entities, all who have different policies and procedures, etc., you know? It speaks to the great partnerships that we have on board, and it also speaks to the flexibility of our service. So it's very critical that when we first go into an apprenticeship authority or a jurisdiction, that we build that rapport, that respect, and really develop the relationship. And then we mold our program to meet the parameters of where they are currently. As we work to integrate the different steps of our program, our support to those apprentices, then we can work with the senior authorities in that apprenticeship authority to actually look at changing policies or changing procedures so that we can better meet their client needs. That's amazing because, I mean, of course, that's the problem with many educational programs and and interventions is that customizing it to all the different systems is really, really difficult, but you allow a lot of flexibility in the system to be able to have that one-on-one relationship and work through it. And the system itself has flexibilities too within it, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it starts that way. And then we build as we go, we negotiate what we can uh, put in and what we can't put in. We don't, you know, if they're mm-hmm. act against it, for example, I'll give you an example in Saskatchewan in their apprenticeship act, which is legal, they cannot have interpreters in exams and based on how they define interpreters. We have it in New Brunswick, we have it in many other jurisdictions, but if it's in the act, if it's legal, that's just simply not one intervention we're going to use for that apprentice. It sounds like an amazing program. And I think it's, of course, what I said this at the beginning as well, but you are a research team. So everything that you're developing is really rooted in a lot of research and extensive research. So can you tell me a little bit about the research on which you've based the program? Certainly. There's four primary goals that we're looking at with this five-year research. And 
one thing I want to say is I, I need to give credit to our funders. I haven't done that yet. And this research would not be possible if it were not for Employment and Social Development Canada, the federal government for funding this project. So it's a five-year research project. It's actually been extended beyond that now to more like an eight-year project since from start to finish. And one of the goals is actually to determine that model that we had in New Brunswick that was face-to-face can we effectively make that a 100% virtual model? And moreover, can we actually integrate it in other jurisdictions across the country, multiple jurisdictions across the country? So we're right. tracking data extensively to be able to answer that question. And part of that integration is the ability to create with each jurisdiction a sustainability model with the ultimate goal of us walking away and those supports and that holistic approach to learning changing and shaping the way that apprenticeship authority continues to work in the future. It's such an important thing to have that rooted into the system so that when the research team leaves, everything is going along as wonderfully as it was when it was being supported by the research team, which is certainly a huge hurdle in in a lot of educational interventions and programs that when the research leaves, does it still function? So that's a phenomenal thing that you're doing. Yes, thank you. The second goal that we have is about validating online psychoeducational assessments. And this is interesting, this was an add-on and brought in and funded by ESDC because of COVID. So when COVID happened and the whole world shut down, psychologists were no longer able to do face-to-face assessments with anybody, apprentices or anybody off the street because of COVID, right? And so slowly, a small group of psychologists started tinkering with, can we actually do these online? So we contacted a company in Alberta who was starting to investigate online psychoeducational assessments and discussed with them the possibility of doing formal research with that. So we have integrated that component into our model as well. We are now doing 100% psychoeducational assessments with our clients, which is fantastic because, you know, again, you decrease the anxiety. They're doing these assessments from their home with technology that we've provided them. So we know it's, you know, very able. And for the research, we will be comparing the results of when one does assessments in a face-to-face format versus doing the online format. So we're just now building our assessment model uh, with the company on how exactly that research is going to roll out, but it's very exciting. And it is being supported by the Canadian Psychologists Association. So we've got a, um, you know, a letter of support from them saying, yes, we recognize that you know, this is needed. So that's fantastic. And that's a very exciting piece of research. The third thing that we're doing is actually comparing in New Brunswick, the data that we're accumulating with the face-to-face interventions with clients versus the online. So we still have the face-to-face model operating in New Brunswick. And we, you know, since 2010, that's been going. We are transitioning more and more to virtual platform with the hope of it becoming default at some point. Nevertheless, we have extensive data, right, for 10 years, since 2010 on that face-to-face model. So we're going to compare the data about the value and any blips that might occur because of 
uh, working virtually. And we, I'll tell you that to date, we have some, uh, some research based on the two years that we've been operating. And to date, the mean scores between the two and everything that we're looking at are, are virtually the same. So we are seeing that it's, it's operating very well. The fourth and final goal that we have in terms of the research is validating the online learning disability risk indicator that I told you about earlier. So that's a tool that was developed here in New Brunswick for the purpose of screening possible learning disability, we are validating that tool as we go along. So every time we use it, we're tracking that data and we are comparing the results of that with the psychoeducational assessments done by psychologists to see were they right? You know, was there actually a learning disability? And our success rate to date with the Aldori is in the 90%, I think about 92% success. Amazing. So, very, very impressive. Wow, that is fantastic. I mean, it's a wonderful program and very, very exciting in order to make sure that it opens the door to everyone entering the trades who would really excel in the trades and who would have a wonderful and fulfilling career. So this is very important. And you've already touched on the many ways in which this is impacting students. But can you tell me a few stories about how this impacts individuals and their lives and their and their future careers. Yes, I can. I brought a couple of quotes. Can I read them to you? Please. Yes, please. <laughs> Great. So I, I took your question to the learning strategist and said, you know, can can we get some qualitative data, which we accumulated anyway with the research? So <laughs> wonderful. Of them. One client emailed their learning strategist and said, quote, I think it's a great program. I always thought I couldn't do school. And now I'm fourth year apprentice and the foremans at my company are literally fighting for me to be on their sites. Wonderful. That is really, really good. <laughs> That's a great. And here's another one from a learning strategist that I think is just very special. Uh, one welder apprentice disclosed his struggles all through school. He says, quote, I think I'm a little dyslexic, but I've never been tested, unquote. He understood the process of testing because he was going through the testing process with his daughter currently. He identified that he'd always struggled with everything. He says, quote, words explode around the page, unquote. And he says, quote, sentences fly all over the, the page, unquote. So when the learning strategist mentioned the VLS program has the resources to fund psychological assessments, he just jumped all over this chance to have the assessment done to validate the struggles that he had been having for so many years. He was also willing to engage in several strategies to improve his academics. You know, he was just a great client to have. And the most influential intervention for him was using the text-to-speech software. We use VoiceStream currently, and that really helped him to understand his modules and his in-class tests and enabled him to focus on answering those problems instead of chasing those exploding words, you know, across the page. And the client has expressed his gratitude with how much better the information is now sticking and that he is now receiving really excellent marks in class. So I love that story because, you know, he also is learning so much about himself. He has a, an open heart and willingness to allow for his daughter to have the experience of learning differently and yeah. appreciating different learning styles with her as well. Oh, I absolutely love that. And that really just highlights the fact that growing up and going through the education system, there are so many students who are struggling. And I mean, those very visual way of he actually saw words flying off the page. 
But so many students are struggling in different ways and they think, I just need to try harder. And they try harder in the same way that isn't quite working. Whereas if you understand exactly what is going on and different ways that you could be trying to achieve the same thing, then you can make the learning so much easier and enjoyable, such an important process because trying harder isn't okay if, if it's into a brick wall that is never going to make it better. Oh, I love that. What a wonderful quotes. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that and, and for the big, big ways in which this is making such a difference to people. So what suggestions would you have to training institutions who may not have access to this program, either in Canada or internationally, how can they really help their students from everything that you've learned and everything that you're doing? What suggestions would you have either to the individual and also to training institutions? Okay, so I'll answer first for the training institutes. You know, COVID managed to um, jumpstart training institutes having to become universal in design, right? Because everybody quickly went to an online format. I'm hoping a lot of those training institutes will have developed learning platforms that cater more to uh, learning styles. That it's online tells us that story. A slight aside, I teach at the University of New Brunswick as well. I have a client in my class currently who is deaf and hard of hearing, and she's an engineer. During COVID, her marks all excelled because everything was 100% online, right? You, knew you couldn't go to class. She was able to read text. She was able to use assistive technologies to enable her to better understand the content of the course. So she verified coming back to class this year, face-to-face, because -face, I'm teaching face-to-face -face in the classroom, she was petrified that her, her grades were going to plummet. So instead, I worked with her, you know, we have technology that I use so that she's able to transcribe what I'm saying. We have masks that have the, the ability, the window so that one can read lips, right? She's mm -hmm. lips. So the whole class offered to, yes, wear these masks so that everybody can read lips, et cetera. But it tells us about the importance of being able to accommodate. So technology is bumping us forward in that, in that way. Even just people on the street, naturally we are mo moving more to universal design. I read audiobooks all summer, right? That speaks to universal design. Very important concept, universal design for learning is such an important exactly, exactly. integration into learning system. And naturally technology is doing it. Just think of YouTube. When you buy something now, do you read the instructions that are in that, those terrible instructions that are in a box? No, you go to YouTube and you look at a video on how to do it, right? That's what everybody does. That's yes. part of universal design, right? So technology is naturally doing that for us. So I think, you know, uh, online platforms for training institutes is going to help decrease the barrier, provided they're done and designed well. In terms of answering your question for that individual, it's very difficult. They need to self-advocate if they can. In order to do that, you have to first know that you have rights as a human being and that there are a variety of assistive technologies and other kinds of supports that are there for you. But the advocacy piece is often so important. And that's the piece that we do with the VLS right now, right? So we need to get that message out to individuals that they too need to recognize they're not stupid, they have ability, and they need to find a different pathway to make that learning better for them. That's important. And of course, ideally, 
people can have access and organizations can have access to your program. So how can someone reach out to have access to this program that you've developed? Right. So um, right now we are a research program for the next five years, but we are building a fee-for-service model within our research so that uh, organizations that are not able to carry some of this stuff out on their own can reach to us to assist in providing some services or you know, a whole variety, a menu of services to the Institute, which will then get to the client directly. And we're in the process of developing a website that will be ready by January. And that website will be, uh, I think if you just search for virtual learning strategist program, then the website should come up. And in they'll have resources for individuals to help inform them about learning styles, different learning styles and different things that they can do to self-advocate around providing some interventions for themselves to maybe make the road to learning a little easier for them. Wonderful. And those will also be in the show notes for people to take a look at. And in January 2022, the website will be up and running, which is you have done so much in terms of the research, creating the programs, going across the country and linking with other organizations and jurisdictions. So what's next for, for the program and for you? Okay, so part of our funding under our extension of our funding is to actually do a sample of supports outside of the apprenticeship system. So over the next four years, we're going to be working with four colleges across the country to look at implementing and integrating the VLS model into those colleges to support regular college students as in not apprenticeship college students. So a big thanks to uh, SAS Polytech in Saskatchewan, who's one of our partners for that, the College of New Caledonia in Northern BC, and our English and French community colleges in New Brunswick. So four colleges we're going to work with to see, hmm, can we integrate that there next? And of course, hoping that once that happens, then we teach the system to those colleges, they will also choose to continue those services in some capacity to provide more services to to folks everywhere. And as I said earlier, we have a fee-for-service. The ultimate goal is that training providers would use our our fee-for-service or learn our model so that one day we won't even need to exist, right? We just want the supports to students uh, in a variety of capacities using technology to be the default for all learning platforms so that uh, the VLS no longer (laughs) will be there. (laughs) Wow, this is absolutely fantastic. Really interesting work that you're doing and extremely important. I really enjoyed listening to each aspect of it and learning so much more about it and look forward to seeing the continued development and making it into a massive program, which it's already across Canada and now it's going to be more and more interwoven into institutions. So that's really great. Well, before we end, I always like to ask, If you have a recommendation to read or watch something that inspires you in this space. Kinga, if I had to recommend any one book based on the model that we try to really promote with the VLS, that holistic model, seeing the whole person and moving away from the traditional academic setting only, I would suggest Howard Gardner's work. You know, specifically his 1999 book entitled Intelligence Reframed, Multiple Intelligences for the 21st Century. 
What I really love about Gardner's work is his emphasis on a wider view of human intelligence. So for example, you know, a learner may be low in linguistic intelligence, but really high in kinesthetics, you know, like we talked about earlier. And so we've really worked on integrating some parts of his theory into the VLS program. And ultimately that helps clients to restructure their self-concept about what they're able to do and, and really make the stars the limit in terms of their own learning. So, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yes, that's a, that's a wonderful recommendation. Well, Lori, I really enjoyed hearing about the VLS program and all the important aspects of that program that it's addressing in the trades education and beyond. So thank you very much for sharing that on the podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.